Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Apples and Genos Fantasy Hockey Podcast. My name is Nate Grutnibblink, and I'll be your host. Today, I'm back to continuing my strategy series where I interview someone in the fantasy hockey space regarding different aspects of fantasy hockey strategy. Aim here is that we just all get better together and we're able to gather some strategy tips and tricks from all the sharpest minds out there. For this show, I'm pleased to welcome Devin Davidson, who's the host of the Fantasy Hockey Hacks podcast. Devin, how are you doing? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Yeah, I mean, I had to have you on. Um, you had me on your podcast back uh, before the season started, and that was a good time. So uh, I was always in the back of my mind that I'd have you on for one of these shows here. So I'm glad that we can make it work. Yeah, I, I appreciate that. We we really enjoyed having you on our show. Uh, I think we were just talking back in August, maybe, but uh, you helped us out with our preseason stuff, and it was well received. Um, we'll, we'll talk a bit about the content from that episode later in the show here. So I'm excited about that. Yeah, sounds good. Well, why don't you uh, help us get to know you a little bit? Tell us about, a little bit about yourself, uh, your background, maybe include something that people might not know about you. Sure. Um, I'm a prairie kid, born and raised. Um, my grandparents and my uncle still farm, so I actually grew up you know, driving farm equipment and uh, helping out there. And um, I moved here to Saskatchewan for, for university a few years back. So um, okay. one, one thing that uh, listeners probably wouldn't know about me is that I was a, a competitive junior curler for a lot of years. Okay. Um, nice. So I went to the, the Alberta Winter Games back in 2004, and I won a provincial title with my university team. I don't even know what year that was. It might have been 2007. Um, but I, nice. I was r- right into it. And so I've got friends and people that I know who they've competed at the Scotties and the Briar and stuff like that. So Nice, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, like curling is always something I find myself watching every time the Olympics roll around. So that's Yeah, it's fun. Cool. All right. Well, why don't you tell us who your favorite NHL team is and maybe you can tell me why I should uh, abandon the Leafs and just give up on all the years of heartache with, that they've been giving me and uh, root for your team instead. <laughs> uh, you know, to be honest, I don't know that I have a good sales pitch for you to become an Oilers fan. Um, <laughs> <laughs> realistically, you know, looking at the results, you're you're in better shape than I am this year. But, um, you know, I, I don't know. I don't probably have a good sales pitch, but we have McDavid. I mean, that's that's one thing. And That uh, is a pretty big plus. Be, beyond that, it's been a lot of heartache. yeah that's fair it's been uh it's been that way for a lot of canadian teams for uh quite some time there's the montreal run but uh other than that it's been uh been a bit sparse up here in canada yeah it has you guys look good this year though the leafs like i think it it could be your year i don't want to jinx it but yeah (laughs) it's pretty hard to jinx the leafs they they kind (laughs) of do it to themselves i feel like fair enough uh, so why don't you tell us uh, just about how you got into fantasy hockey in the first place, how long you've been playing for, and what led you to doing the podcast and all that you're doing right now. So Tyler Homan, he's um, he's a co-host of our show, Fantasy Hockey Axe, and he called me up one day, it was back in 2014 or 15, and he said, hey, are any chance you'd be interested in playing some fantasy hockey? And I said, uh, yeah, sure, because of the time and, and before that, I'd, I'd kind of been into you know, the NHL series games. I always played GM. Uh, be a GM mode and and I, I like the idea of building yeah. a team right building a winner mm-hmm. and so he said look I, somebody just dropped all their players they they just decided one day they were done playing dropped the entire team mid-season and so I'm looking for someone to take over a team I said sure so uh I come in I take this team at the time it was it was a team that was below 500 and you know I just worked away I was working the wire I was making trades I ended up winning the league my first year there. 
<laughs> That's and probably I, not the result he was looking for. <laughs> no, not at all, right? And, and I got a payout for it too, which was great. And uh, so then I proceeded to win the league the next two years after that. <laughs> so that's kind of how I got started. And I, and after that I was just hooked, right? It was, um, yeah. I couldn't get enough of it. And so winning um, does that to you. It does. Yeah, totally. <laughs> and then I won a fourth championship in that same league here two years ago, finished fourth last year. So I've, I've got, and I won a different league last year. Like I've just been at it so much. Um, mm-hmm. so anyway, um, that's how I got started. And then in terms of how I got started with the podcast, I, I guess there's one of those things, you know, you're, you're just really, you're so ingrained in, in the whole community, the whole, the whole thing, right. You just get right mm-hmm. into it. And, um, my background is in marketing too. So that's kind of what I do for work and, and, mm-hmm. you know, playing with the cameras and all the technology and streaming and all the things that I'm kind of doing anyway, I thought, you know, I could, I could probably put together a podcast that people would enjoy. Um, it's something I enjoy talking about. Like I could literally talk hockey 24 seven. Right. <laughs> uh, most people that know me know that. So, uh, I thought, Hey, why not do the two? I built a website and, uh, and we started rolling and, and, you know, it was interesting just how welcoming the whole fantasy hockey community was. There's, there's so many great minds out there, but everyone's just really inclusive. It's like, Hey, yeah, mm-hmm. they welcome. Let's talk hockey. And, and here's what we know. And here's what we can tell you. And so people like yourself and, um, you know, Ian Gooding from Dauber Hockey, we had him on the podcast and mm-hmm. um, we had Andy Sutton come on. Uh, he's with Verbero Hockey now and that was a great episode. And so things just kind of took off from there. We had Jack Michaels from Sportsnet on. Um, so it got bigger and bigger and, and uh, it's just snowball from there. We're having a lot of fun doing it. That's awesome. Yeah, I can definitely uh, second those those sentiments around the fantasy hockey community as I've been reaching out to more people um, just to come on the podcast uh just everyone i've reached out to even if they can't do it for various reasons they've just been so gracious with their time and responding so uh, definitely a big fan of the community as a whole yeah all right so let's dig into some of these questions here let's start off with just what's your favorite format uh if you're starting up a league uh today what are you going to play is it going to be cats points head to head what's your what's your favorite yeah, you know, for me, it's probably points head to head. I like the head to head matchups. It's just that competitive nature, facing off against one team each week and trying to trying to match your lineup to theirs and and see what what the schedule's doing. That's kind of mm-hmm. I, I enjoy that part of it. Um, but saying that, I actually really enjoy cats as well. So we're in another Yahoo Cats head to head league. Bruce and I, another host from the podcast, and. I think in my second year, I, I won it. I won that league last year, and I decided from that point that you know maybe categories wasn't so bad. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's one of those things. It's it's just a different challenge, right? Like head to head points, you you don't give a lot of thought to every category, right? Like right. Obviously, you you analyze your league and you understand which categories count, but you're not trying to win a specific category each week, and so. Mm-hmm. The waiver wire picks you make, or you know, they they vary based on that, right? And and your For whole sure. mindset changes. And yeah, so I mean, it it's good to do both, but I'd say if I had to pick one, it'd be head to head, total points. Yeah, I uh, I started playing cats way back when I started, which is, oh man, I'm probably gonna date myself here, but uh, it's probably twelve years ago now, something like that. Um, so it's been a bit. Um, 
but yeah, I started with cats. So for me personally, that was just kind of a default setting for me. Um, but I do definitely have an appreciation for points. I play in both. I'm not, I'm not, uh, too discerning. I'll play in anything <laughs> you got going. So, um, for sure. at this point, I don't know if I could say that I have a favorite one way or the other. I appreciate both and the different challenges they bring strategy wise. Um, so the big topic, obviously this season has been COVID, um, shut us down for a good chunk over the Christmas break. Uh, we've had lots of players come and come and go basically out of, in and out of lineups. We've got Alex Ovechkin missing the all-star game, um, due to COVID there's obviously going to be more to come, uh, still. So what can we do with all these postponements, the rescheduled games, hopefully now maybe we're at a point where that's the last of it and we're not going to have any more postponements, cross our fingers, knock on wood and all of that. Um, but what is there anything that we can actually do proactively as fantasy hockey managers to maybe even take advantage of uh, some changes to the game with all this all this COVID stuff going on? Yeah, you know it's it's tough. It's been it's been a really interesting season given the the COVID environment. I guess the first thing is like you, you got to be patient. I think that's first and foremost because and realize that everyone's kind of dealing with the same situation, right? Like right. Some teams are affected more than others. Um, we For know sure. that the schedule's affected, say, the Islanders more than, than some people. Yep. Um, but, yeah, I mean, everyone's dealing with it. You just kind of got to be patient. Uh, what we did in one of our leagues, actually, was just added a couple IR spots because mm. it seemed like every day you'd lose four or five or six guys, and, yep. and that became frustrating for everybody. So, you know, we just added a couple slots, and, and that helped uh, relieve the pain a little bit. Mm-hmm. And then I guess, you know, I'm hopeful at this point because now they're going to stop testing asymptomatic players uh, post-All-Star game. Realistically, hopefully we're we're nearing the end of that situation. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things can still happen. There's still quite a bit of time left in the season and, and you just never know with COVID. But that's my hope is that we can hopefully not have to deal with it too <laughs> much more in the next uh, couple months here. So, but yeah, yeah I, I would just preach patience. Um, I'm not sure how much... Like I, I'd actually be curious to know your thoughts on that. Like, what what's your approach been? Yeah, the only thing I've been I've been telling people is just to watch what what happened with teams like the Islanders, especially uh, who have a lot of games to make up now. Um, so they'll just, by nature of that, have more games to play in the back part of the season here and of the, your fantasy season. So yeah. uh, your Matthew Barzal or um, even the goalies there, Varlama versus Sorokin. Yeah. Uh, you'll be able to get a few more starts out of them as well. Um, Ottawa is another one that has a lot of games to be played yet. Um, five next week. Five next week, yeah. Pick yeah. up all your all your Ottawa <laughs> streamers if you can uh, stomach it. But um, <laughs> so yeah, that's that's the thing I've really been talking about in the Discord uh, with uh, the people in there is just uh, just take a look at the schedule, how it's changed. How some teams that, you know, you might have been kind of fed up with players from those teams because they weren't playing and so you weren't seeing the rewards, especially if you're in points, right? They're just not scoring points. They're not playing games. Yeah, uh, exactly. But now they've got a lot of games to, to make up. Uh, a lot of these Canadian teams, right, uh, had some had some postponements because they didn't, they w- didn't want to have uh, empty home games yep. uh, up here in Canada due to all the restrictions. So, um, yeah, just... 
uh, be aware of the schedule changes and see if you can uh, take advantage of that, whether that's through the waiver wire or potentially even through trade. Well, and I was going to say just to your point about the waiver wire, it seems like because there was so much, so many cases and so many guys sitting there on IR or out or however they designated it, it presented a real opportunity if you if you were smart about it because people were getting impatient and if their roster was filling up with a bunch of guys that were out with COVID because and now they're dropping maybe players that they had stashed right to make room on their, right. their IR. So guys like Jack Eichel were popping up, Evgeny mm-hmm. Malkin was popping up. Um, Evander Kane popped up and you know uh, when we talk about that a bit later but those are some players that I targeted off the waiver wire early in the season as they were dropping right and so now my hope is that come playoff time Jack Eichel's healthy right Evgeny Malkin hopefully he continues to be healthy yeah Um, (laughs) so yeah that's that's one thing it's presented an opportunity too yep yeah usually anytime something unexpected happens to your season then there's the worst thing you can do is to not react probably um definitely patient be patient like you're saying um but also really do take a look at it and see what's changing and how that you can maybe leverage that to your advantage totally so let's jump into some draft talk uh let's just start with what's the best draft pick you might have made this year and uh, tell us a little bit about it i had a couple guys here and i'm not really sure which one to go with i I guess if you're going based on ADP and production to date, it, it might have to be Dylan Larkin for me. I, okay. I think I was able to get him in the 14th or the 15th round this year in yep. two different drafts. And he's at 43 points, 23 goals on the season, I think in 41 yep, point games. Point per game. Yep. Yeah. So he's been fantastic, a real bounce back candidate this year. Mm-hmm. Um, Igor Shesterkin fell to me in the eighth round in one draft. I okay. think a lot of guys were, were practicing uh, one, one of your your strategies so um and and i really i was trying to do zero g but i just i got to that point i said i was staring at igor sisterkin in the eighth round and i kind of had to do it so mm-hmm. um and then you know jonathan huberto has been incredible it's an mvt mvp type season for him for sure i'm trying to think where i got him i think i got him at 17 i, I took him i took him and Barkov close together I, I think i was at the turn in the first and second round so sure um i just went with that florida stack and then the last guy would be Ovechkin, just based on his production to date. He's been yeah, far better than we expected. Yeah. Yeah, Ovechkin kind of, I think, I feel like this was the first season where he really started to fade towards the back of the first round yeah. uh, in a lot of leagues. And he's just absolutely blown that up this year. And he's been tremendous. Right Fantastic. back to 25-year-old Ovechkin. It's just unbelievable. <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch. Definitely. Yeah, I'm here for it. I hope he breaks the record for goals. Takes yeah, that from too. Gretzky. That'd be awesome. Yeah. All right. Well, now that we've got the good stuff out of the way, what's maybe the worst draft pick that you made this year? <laughs> uh, it's probably going to be, It's it's got to be Anton Kudobin. I, I ah. took him with the last pick of the draft. Just just thinking he had some fuel left in the tank. I, I know the, sure. the goaltending situation was, was unclear heading into the draft. My theory was that it was going to be Kudobin and Holpe, just based on the fact you could send Ottinger yep. down. Yeah. And uh, and and he'd been good, you know, the year or two pre- prior to that. So mm-hmm. didn't really work. But you know, at the end of the day, I don't mind. Like you take gambles on the on the last few picks of your draft. For right? sure. It's, if it's going to work, great. If not, well, I'll I'll check the wire. Yep. Absolutely. All right. So I like asking this kind of set of questions. Um, 
for the first one, I, I like asking if someone's brand new to fantasy hockey, they're playing in their first fantasy hockey league this year, what's the number one thing that they should really focus on getting a handle on so that they can, you know, enjoy the game that we all love and, uh, um, yeah, just get acclimated to fantasy hockey as a, as a pastime? Uh, yeah, I would just say understand your league categories, your league settings, and, and how Definitely. that's that's going to influence the players that you draft, the players that you look at on the wire. Um, you know, if it's a bangers league or not, that that affects you know how high Brady Kachuk goes. Um, right. Those are all just factors to consider. So that that's probably the biggest one I would say. Um, For sure. And and I think the other thing is just understanding how the waiver system works and waiver priority. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, IR slots, all those things are important to know because if you don't understand that, you know, if you drop a guy, you can't pick him up again for 24 hours or 48 hours or how that's set up in your league. Mm-hmm. Um, and then the waiver priority system, cause you think you're going to get access to him right away. You know, you'll get a bit of a rude awakening. So those are things I think that are important to know. Yeah, definitely. You got to understand, uh, how the game works, how your league works specifically. Um, Yeah your league may vary from other leagues that you're hearing people talk about or you're seeing on yeah. podcasts or uh, anywhere else that you're looking at fantasy hockey stuff. So um, definitely take a long, hard look at your your league's categories, your league settings, uh, what you're getting points for if it's a points league. Yeah. Um, absolutely. I think that's that's probably that's probably what I would say as well for the first-time managers. And And I would add to that too, like – people get really hung up on rankings, right? Whether it's NHL.com's rankings or whatever, but you know, at the end of the day, those are standard Yahoo categories, right? So they're, they're good as a guideline, but you really shouldn't get too hung up on rankings just, just as a first time fantasy manager. Mm -hmm. All right. So we've got that, that kind of baseline established. What do you think is the next step for maybe it's the same manager. It's their second year now. Uh, they're ready to take the next step. What's that next step where they can uh, kind of level up? Yeah, I, I think it's looking at, at matchups. And so one thing I like to do is is see what a player's history is versus the opponent that game they're playing. I might, you know, if I'm looking at uh, a waiver wire pickup, for example, looking at strength of schedule, looking at matchups, those are two two key things. I mean, the the past doesn't necessarily predict the future, but it's a good baseline right for production it's kind of all we have right (laughs) yeah exactly but uh, but something to consider and then just having a basic understanding of some of the analytics that are out there right you don't have to be a statistician but just understand that that some of those numbers are there that can help you um, evaluate a player and determine where they're at if they're if they're due for some positive regression or or not Mm -hmm. Uh, so that's kind of one thing I would and I didn't even really key in on that until probably your year three or four when I got right. into it. Yeah. All right. And then the final step, what, what makes you an actually great fantasy hockey manager? What takes you from, you know, a good fantasy hockey manager, maybe you're, you can win your uh, Yahoo public league, but you get into a league with some, some real fanatics who've been at this for 10 years and suddenly you, you find yourself in a, as a, <laughs> as a little fish in a big pond again. Yeah. Um, what can you do to elevate to that level? I mean, I think you just, you get better at things by practicing, right? So, mm-hmm. you know, you can get involved in more leagues if you choose to. Um, but I think you really just have to immerse yourself in the space. You know, there's mm-hmm. there's a lot of great content out there. People like yourself are, are creating podcasts and, and video content. Um, 
you know, evolving hockey, Jay Fresh, we've got uh, Natural Statric, we've, like Left Wing Lock, Dauber Hockey. All these guys are putting out great content. The, even the NHL.com has a lot of really good stuff. So just be involved in this space and just soak up everything as much as you can. Be aware of player trends. You know, mm-hmm. stay current on the news. Um, watch hockey. It's important to actually watch some games and not just your favorite team because quite often you'll pick up things watching a team that you never watch. And, mm-hmm. you know, and, and you'll see it before it becomes a trend a week later. And at that point, right. it's too late to get ahead of the trend, right? Yep. Um, so, yeah, I would just immerse yourself in this space as much as you can and then maybe dig into the analytics more mm-hmm. because I think that is a great tool for evaluating players. Yep. Natural Statrick's got lots of great stuff on, you know, individual course and individual scoring chances for and all these types of numbers, points per 60. And there's a lot, there's a lot of things you can do to, to break down you know, player performance and see kind of where it's heading or not. Individual shooting percentage, mm-hmm. um, you know, even strength shooting percentage with that player on the ice, all those types of things, right? Those are things to be aware of. For sure. Yeah, I uh, I mean, for myself, obviously, uh, analytics is kind of my bent. Um, I've yeah. said before on this podcast that for myself personally, I feel like uh, I just don't watch enough hockey. I watch I watch the Leafs and uh, I watch some other games randomly here or there. Yeah. Um, as I've gotten more into uh, content creation, I've probably started watching less hockey even because um, <laughs> this ends up taking taking up my time when I might be turning a game on. Um, but kind of what that means for me is uh, I kind of distrust my eyes a little bit. Uh, as it regards the Leafs, maybe I feel like I have a good handle on what's going on with that situation and I can yeah. watch the players from game to game and kind of see how they're trending uh, visually. But for the rest of the league, I kind of feel like if I see like maybe they played the Leafs or it happens to be one of those games that I do catch, if I if I kind of make a huge pronouncement on that player for the rest of the season based on one game, uh, there's sure. just so many factors that go into any one game. Um, it's really hard to say that um, that one game is really indicative of uh, their entire performance for the rest of the season. So that's yep. where I feel like uh, the analytics come in and I want to see um, kind of their season numbers, their last five games, their last ten games. So I want to see how that's all trending and kind of make my make my decisions based a little bit more on the numbers for guys that I'm not able to see consistently. Yeah, I would agree with that. You can't, you can't catch every game, right? And, and mm-hmm. recency bias creeps in. You can't just watch one game and decide, like you said, that's, that's what this player is and that's how he's going to perform. And, and lineups change so often. Like you said, a luck goes into a game that like luck is a factor in hockey. Um, so I would agree. I, I look at the numbers as well. It's whether it's seven days, 15 days, 30 days, how are players performing? now and then how they performed over the past three years i think that's one thing that's key is like look at their averages over the past three years how have they performed and th- and that was part of the reasoning for doing so much of that in our preseason stuff that we did like i think it's important mm-hmm. it just gives you a, a solid number a baseline for where that player's at yep no absolutely saying, saying that we've got guys like nazim Kadri who <laughs> yeah doesn't matter <laughs> there will always be outliers that's for exactly. sure I liked, uh, yeah, I liked what you said too about kind of immersing yourself in the space. Um, one thing that I do, and I do not recommend this for everyone, but I have notifications on on Twitter for uh, Elliot Friedman, a bunch of the big the big names, and also for RotoWire. Um, yep. For basically all the news, uh, it's 
it's a lot of notifications a day, so that's why I don't necessarily <laughs> recommend it. Um, yeah. But like, if if you want to get to that that great level, uh, I feel like you really want to be on top of all that news um, as fast as it comes out. Especially if you're in a league that you know has same day ads, and you find out that your uh, player X is out, so player Y is going to step into power play one, and he's got a great yep. schedule, and they're playing against Montreal that night, and you think they're going to score a bunch of goals. Like that's information you want to know, and you want to know it first. So, um, yeah, just stuff like that. Uh, there's, there's always, uh, an nth degree you can take things to if you're, if you're willing to and have the, have oh, the yeah. time and the, the drive to do so. So, um, so let's, let's dig in now, I guess, into some draft talk. So just generally speaking, uh, how do you approach the draft? Is there like a step-by-step process that you've laid out for yourself or is it, you know, completely different based on the league every single time yeah like for me i i'm gonna just i mean this kind of ties into the next question as well and, and it's a line that I'm, I'm gonna steal this from you actually when you were on our show and it's it's stay fluid um you know i i think i used to have a strategy i used to go into a, a draft and say i'm gonna draft this goalie at, at the in the third round and i'm gonna you know like you you try and lay those things out and it never it never seems to work mm-hmm. and then you're just rattled and yep. that happened to me many different times. And so I think you just go in there, have an open mind, be ready to to, re, to read and react because every draft is different, right? And unless you're constantly playing with the same players. Like some some managers have a tendency to pick the same players, right? They've got their own right. bias towards players. Um, but no, just, just every draft is different. Let it come to you, right? So don't be shocked when, you know, Vasilevsky goes at, number eight and you were the ninth pick or something right and yeah um yeah i mean just that that'd be my my approach to it i do like taking some forwards in the first three rounds anyway i think that's important to establish some of those elite level forwards vasileski in the first round is kind of the one exception maybe kale mccarr is a defenseman mm-hmm. um and then trying to fill out some d spots i would say in rounds like six through eight or six through nine and and then trying to fade goaltenders a bit if you can. Mm-hmm. And that seemed to have worked for me fairly well this year. Yeah, I uh I'd agree with a lot of that. I think there's uh like obviously for me, uh with zero G being kind of my thing, I'm not really looking to take a goalie early. I'd rather, you know, get those two top forwards right away. Um this year, uh I have a tweet that I can reference and I keep going back to I said that uh, not taking Kale McCarr in the back half of the first round was going to be the number one mistake that a lot of fantasy managers made this year yeah and so far that's that's come true he's been absolutely a huge value over replacement for any defenseman um, so that's that's one I like to reference as a little pat on the back for myself absolutely um, you nailed that one yeah <laughs> so there's I think there's those kind of players that you have to uh, identify and stay fluid in that way. Yeah. Uh, if there's someone who's going to be that value over replacement, then you know I think it was worth it to take Kale McCarr there, even though normally you might be thinking about a forward in the first round. Yeah. Um, so yeah, definitely stay fluid. I really like that. Um, it's definitely something I continually preach to myself, and uh, whether I execute on it or not is uh, <laughs> sometimes sometimes more in question but uh, for sure yeah i like that a lot um so 
we've talked about zero G previously. We talked about it on your podcast. Um, I'm curious though, if you applied it this year in any of your leagues, how that went, you alluded to Shesterkin in the eighth, which is obviously a good value <laughs> relative to where he went in a lot of leagues this year. Yeah. Um, but I'm curious how it went for you this year. Uh, what's your view of it after having kind of seen it throughout a year? Uh, how have things been going? Yeah. So I guess I'll, I'll say I, I chickened out a little bit, um, I had I had intentions of really trying the full zero G strategy, and um, I, I kind of it was a modified zero G is what I'll call it. So <laughs> I think um, I, I probably like Shesterkin. Like I said, I took in the eighth, and then some other goaltenders. I think I took in rounds like ten through twelve or ten through fourteen, somewhere in there, because mm-hmm. there was a goalie run. So everybody kind of is is picking up all these goalies, and I I just got a bit nervous. So I couldn't I couldn't yep. commit to full zero G. But you know what? <laughs> I did it in a lot of different drafts, a lot of different mock drafts. And, and the level of team you can build at the forward and, and defense position by going zero G is impressive. And I, so I, I think, I think it works. I, I, I do believe in what you're preaching there, but sometimes, you know, it's, it's just, it's easier to say than actually do. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, there was a couple of guys who I really liked, like Thatcher Demko was one. And he was in that round 10 through 12 spot. And I knew if I didn't grab him there, I wasn't going to have an opportunity to draft him. And he was kind of a priority for me, uh, mm-hmm. even given the the parameters of 0G and just what you've proven there. But um, yeah, I, I do I do like the 0G draft strategy. And actually, Bruce, our other, uh, one of our other hosts on the show, he was a big fan. Um, I don't know if he implemented it. He may have in our Yahoo League, and I, I think he's doing okay there as well. So mm-hmm. I, I, but you know, in general, I think fading goaltenders works because we've seen guys like, like if they ever let him play, Capo Kakinen's a great goaltender. Right. Um, you know, we look at what's going on in Washington, how many people took Ilya Samsonov early in their drafts just to yep. be a complete bust. Yep. Um, what's another good example? I mean, even, even, uh, Kemper, Darcy Kemper in the early goings in, in Colorado yep. was not very good. Uh, you know, like if you took him in the second or third round, you were pretty nervous for a while there. Yep. Um, I mean, there's lots of examples where guys just overspent, overcommitted on on goaltenders early, and it didn't work out. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I think uh, for myself, obviously, having employed it in a lot of places, um, what I what I definitely preach is stay stay fluid with it. Um, it's not an ultimatum that like you have to wait till your last two picks of the draft to take any goalies or anything (laughs) like that. Um, it's more about understanding, um, kind of tiers and stuff. I, I built in tiers and I, I wrote an article about that with my, my goalie tiers in it. Um, you know, understanding if you're, if you're in a points league and you get a lot of points for volume, uh, then it's worth it to grab maybe one of the lower end starters because kind of the point is to not spend more than your the rest of your league on your goalie position in terms of yeah. draft capital. Um, but like I got Frederick Anderson in the twelfth in some leagues. Um, there's there's always going to be goalies that fall back there. Cam Talbot came to me in a lot of places, and I was plenty okay to have him as. Sure. Um, yeah. What I figured to be a volume starter, and he was yeah. up until he got injured. Um, I've ridden James Reimer, Jonathan Quick, flipped over to Cal Peterson once Peterson yep. took over the job here. Um, so, yeah, it's really just about um, trying to not 
overspend on goalies basically and i think what people do with like where adp normally sits for most goalies is that they end up overspending um because goalies are just unpredictable and so like even connor hellebuck this year i don't think a lot of people are super pleased with the investment they made there no um he's been fine but he hasn't been elite which is what you drafted him to be and uh yeah there's just so many factors you know team defense plays into it a lot as well so um that's that's why i've been i've been preaching what i've been preaching and so far this year it's it's worked out pretty well for me so i'm i've been happy so far as well well, I'm glad to hear that. Yeah, it's definitely it's it's a great strategy. It's it's worth it's worth taking the time to understand it and to implement it, for sure. All right, so let's talk a little bit about roster construction. Um, specifically, I like talking about bangers, cats, because it's a I think it's one of the more interesting setups uh, in fantasy hockey that we have to deal with. And how do you value um, those banger cats versus? you know your more typical goals assists power play points all that and how do you do that in the draft and then maybe how do you do that throughout the year um what would you say your approach would be to roster construction with regards to bangers versus uh points categories Uh, you know for me i think in in both situations it's important to establish a high fantasy floor so Mm -hmm. first off you you want to make sure you're getting those categories that are going to be hard to replace later So Mm -hmm. your goals, your assists, your power play points, all that kind of stuff, I make that a priority early. If it's a player like Brady Kachuk, who we know contributes to to hits and blocks and shots and and kind of covers a a multitude of categories, that's great. That's a bonus to me. Mm -hmm. Um, But in general, am I going to step out of my way to grab Brady Kachuk when there's maybe a 50-goal scorer available that, you know, like he doesn't contribute quite as much to hits and blocks? I don't know, right? I, I kind of evaluate that on a case-by-case basis. But I think it's just important to get those categories covered, the you know, the, the lean ones, the goals, the assists, yeah. power play points, stuff like that first. Yeah, I think there's, there's something to be said there. Um, one thing I've been kind of experimenting with a lot more this year, um, and it was partially just because of uh, how things fell in one of my leagues with uh, the defenseman I had uh, not working out, you know, Jeff Petrie just abandoning the sport of hockey for no apparent reason, Um, (laughs) things like that. Um, So I've had uh, this this kind of epiphany where, you know, I have Kale McCarr, um, but maybe I don't really need any other point-scoring defenseman, and I can can just run out Alexander Romanov, Mark Borowiecki, and (laughs) all these guys behind Kale McCarr. Adam Larson. Yeah, exactly. And then just run out, you know, a whole bunch of scoring forwards and let let these uh, crazy hitting defensemen uh, do all that that heavy lifting in the bangers categories for me. And then, you know, it doesn't matter if I'm all Johnny Goudreau's and Clayton Keller's up front (laughs) because they're getting me the points and my defensemen are getting me all the hits and the blocks. Um, So I think there's something to be said to that. I I want to figure out a way to do a actual study on it and see uh, see what I could do in terms of roster construction that way. I'd be um, interested to see that for sure. Like, I think that's an interesting topic, and I I like the idea that you would build because defensemen obviously are just lower scoring, and so if you can mm-hmm. if you can cover off those other categories as your defensemen, I think that's a great strategy. Mm-hmm. 
yeah, it's something I'm I'm interested in. I don't know if you know, like in that league, I have Kill McCarr and then not much else. But maybe maybe that's maybe that's the right way to do it. Maybe you still want that one one or two point scoring defenseman because you can't really take the full hit and having four yeah. slots uh, assigned to guys who only hit and block. Um, but maybe yeah, maybe there's an optimal kind of balance to be found there. And then, uh, and then those guys become your streamers as well, uh, especially if you develop a really strong forward core that you don't really want to get away from. Yeah. Uh, you can run your forwards out week after week and stream in. You know, there's plenty of guys on the waiver wire who are hitting and blocking all the time. You pick up whoever's going to have four games that week, and they're yep. going to get you those hits and blocks that you need. So um, I think it's an interesting an interesting uh, thought experiment, at least at this point, and I'd, I'd definitely like to study it a bit more. Well, I'd like to read it if you ever get it out there. So, <laughs> <laughs> All right, so let's talk about waiver wires a little bit. Um, you, uh, alluded to it before in your first, in your first league, kind of running the waiver wire and riding that to a championship, your first go at it. So how do you approach the waiver wire just on a week to week basis? You know, if in a standard Yahoo league, you know, you got your four ads or whatever. Um, how would you go about using those four ads in a week? What's your, what's your, uh, start of the week process? Yeah. I mean, obviously it's, it's all about maximizing games played for the week and so like my process is going out and just analyzing the players that are available who's been performing the best as of the last week or two or month um looking at their schedule for the week and then you know i'm that guy that as soon as the the first game starts on sundays and i can pick up a guy you know i i'm doing that or if it's whenever it clears to the way yeah I'm, i'm out there and I, every year I'm probably the guy with the most transactions throughout the league. So I, mm-hmm. I, I maximize as many waiver wire transactions as I can. Um, mm-hmm. That's my approach. And kind of usually when I'm drafting, I'm okay having a streamer spot available and I'll just, I'll run with that. Um, I think it's good to be active. I, I try not to get too, too committed to players, but you know, and talking about COVID, right. Just in the COVID environment, it's been important that you can't always grab those one or two guys on Sundays and then hope they're good for the week. Right. So that's kind of throwing a wrench into things. Yeah. Um, but, but in general, yeah, I mean, I, I'll try and plan for the week and then if something comes up, it comes up, but I'm, I'm maximizing transactions every week. Yeah. Yeah. One thing I've been doing a little bit more with the COVID uncertainty is, um, kind of prioritizing those Monday, Tuesday guys, Mm-hmm. or uh, mon- Monday, Wednesday guys, as the case may be. Um, try to get those couple games in early and then flip that guy into a, you know, Thursday, Friday, Sunday or something like sure. that um, yep. for the rest of the week. And that seems to be a good way to do it in this uh, time of uncertainty where you're Absolutely. just waiting for waiting for your streamers to <laughs> drop to COVID. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, does that strategy you know, vary at any point in the season? Does it vary based on what you're trying to accomplish? Like um, early in the season, you know, just trying to build the best roster to carry you through the season. You know, maybe later in the season, you're scrapping for every win, trying to make the playoffs or trying to get a bye or whatever. Um, yeah. Does your approach vary at any point in the season or is it kind of the same every single week? Yeah, I, I mean, I think it'll vary depending on what my team is doing to, to a degree. Like if I've if I've snagged a guy off the wire and he's producing, you know, sometimes you're, you're hesitant to, to let him go. Right. Cause you don't know if he's going to be that, 
you know, this year's Nazem Kadri or if he's going to be this year's Chris Kreider, mm-hmm. um, you know, and, and so if I'm doing okay, if I'm winning my matchup, um, I might pull back on, on, on those transactions a little bit, right? I might just hold on to a guy and try to be patient for, for a few games. And if it continues, great. Mason Marchment, right? Like, look at what that guy's done yeah. in the past two weeks. Um, you know, sort of if you held on to him for four or five games, you were pretty happy recently. Yeah. Um, but then, yeah, as it gets, like at a certain point, if you've, if you've banked enough wins throughout the season, then it becomes less about winning on a weekly basis and more about roster optimization mm-hmm. for the playoffs, right? So then maybe you start looking at your waiver wire ads in terms of the schedule for the playoffs and how that looks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely we're getting into that season uh, now. Uh, yeah. If you're on the bubble, then you're scrapping and clawing. If you're sitting pretty, then you have that luxury of kind of looking ahead and seeing you know, maybe I'll take a chance on this guy and maybe he'll become a rest of season hold for me. Um, because he's, you know, he's getting the, maybe it's, you know, Matthew Boldy, uh, yep. in Minnesota who's been killing it. Um, maybe you were more interested in him, just pick him up when he got called up and just see if he becomes what he's becoming right now. Um, you have that kind of luxury, I think, uh, if your team's doing well and you're, uh, looking ahead more than just scrapping each and every week. Agreed. And so we kind of touched on this a little bit, but does it vary uh, if you're, you know, down in the dumps, does your waiver wire strategy change? It could be early in the season, like if you have an 0-4 start or something, are you trying to, you know, hold steady, stave off the nerves, uh, or would you actually start to uh, to change your strategy at all if you had that kind of slow start? Yeah, I mean... I don't know. I may, maybe a little bit, but I mean, if I'm starting off 0 and 4, something's not working, and I, I got to make some changes, right? So, mm-hmm. um, I, I'm probably looking for the next diamond in the rough on the waiver wire somewhere. Um, maybe I'm trying to make a trade. Um, you know, if you can do a two for one and open up a spot in your roster, and then grab a guy who's on long term injured reserve and stash him. Like, there's there's some things you can try and do there. I don't know. Um, but I'd probably go back to my point about like roster optimization. That's that's probably when it changes for me the most. Mm-hmm. If you're playing poorly, if you're off to an 0-4 start or an 0-5 start, it, it could be more about roster construction during the draft, right? Like me, or or it could right. be injuries. It could be some things out of your yep. control. So, I mean, it just depends on what your team is doing. If you have lots of injuries, I mean, this happens to Bruce every year. Uh, <laughs> he has the worst luck. So it seems like he goes through a stretch of of a month or more where his team just collapses and then. And then he shows up again in the playoffs and, and finishes in the top three somewhere. So, um, yeah, it's it's hard to say, right, without knowing specifics. But Right, yeah, and definitely there would be some nuance. If you have those injuries, then um, maybe you're not quite as worried as if, you know, just the guys you thought were going to be stars for your team are just not producing. Um, and, and I guess so. in a case like that, like, I, I would turn to the numbers, right? Like, I, I'd say, hey, Nate, like, help me out. Let's, let's break down the numbers here, and, and what are these guys doing? What's going on? And mm-hmm. so if you kind of evaluate your roster that way, and, and if it's really just a result of maybe some poor puck luck, you know, then I'm going to be more patient. Mm-hmm. But so, again, just maybe with more specifics, I would probably approach it differently. Right. All right, so let's talk about uh, maybe your best or your worst or maybe both of the waivers this year. Let's do some Hall of Fame type stuff. Um, oh boy! What, what were those? What were those moves that you made, and what kind of led you to that decision? And what can we learn from it? 
Okay, well, I'll I'll start with the worst here, and, and I'll just become a cautionary tale for your listeners. <laughs> um, I I think somebody Nazem Kadri was open on the wire. He was sitting there. I hadn't drafted him. I picked him up, and actually in in the off season, I said I wasn't going to grab that guy because I was so frustrated with him after last season. <laughs> and so I said, okay, you know what? I'm going to grab him. I'm going to pick him up. He really didn't do anything for a game or two, and Victor Arvidsson at that point was looking pretty good. He's a volume shooter. Um, You know, I I liked his lineup placement and stuff and I thought, okay, he could be in line for a good year. And, and, you know, to be fair, Nazem Kadri, I think his career high before this season was like 61 points Mm -hmm. and his hits have fallen off the map really. Like there was all sorts of things. I was just like, I'm not going to bother this guy again. So (laughs) yeah, probably a world-class fail there. I dropped Kadri, picked up Arvidsson. um, (laughs) And and now, you know, to date, I have neither guy on my roster, but so that would be the worst uh, waiver wire pickup I made this year. Mm-hmm. And then, yeah, sorry, go ahead. Yeah, just thinking a little bit about that um, because I think it is it is kind of a study in, um, I think I would make a lot of similar moves to this throughout the season because I am looking at the at the numbers and Arvidsson was shooting a lot and, uh, you know, Kadri had, has all season had really what we would call unsustainably high percentages, shooting percentage, uh, on ice shooting percentage, all the rest of it. And you've just kind of been waiting for the other shoe to drop all season long and it just hasn't. Um, so I think that's a really interesting one and maybe there's something to be said just for the deployment that Kadri was getting, you know, that power play one in Colorado, it seemed like he was, um, kind of solidifying a spot in there at least while he was going to be hot so maybe that's that's something looking back that maybe you could hang your hat on uh, maybe you just want to go with the elite team in that situation between two uh, what you would consider um, yeah kind of bubble guys between Arvidsson and Kadri early in the season yeah, um, yeah <clears throat> it's a tough one though because I think I think for myself I probably made some of those decisions as well where I went with the guy who had uh, a lot of shots on goal, but I missed out on, you know, maybe it was Lucas Raymond uh, yeah. earlier in the year or uh, Troy Terry when he was hot and I just didn't believe it because the shooting percentage was so high and he's still There's no way somehow. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, it's an yeah. interesting thought anyway. Well, and uh, Kadri too, just I think going back to last season, like again, the the past doesn't predict the future, but, you know, you look back at his, his power play production last season, we had nine nine points in the power play. And he was on mm-hmm. pace for 47 points. So, like, I kind of just looked at that knowing that he was a streaky guy. And I just said, yeah, okay, well, yeah, he's been okay, but I'm not going to hang my hat on this, right? It's just – anyway, so cautionary tale. There you go. Yeah. <laughs> All right. And what was the best waiver addition that you made? I, I guess, year? yeah, it, it, it'll remain to be seen here for a little bit. But it would either be Moritz Sider, who has been fantastic mm-hmm. for the Red Wings this year, or Evander Kane. And I actually picked up Evander Kane in three separate leagues. Um, again, this is a player that I was, I was like kiboshing. I was, I had written him off. Um, mm-hmm. I said, I'm not grabbing this guy. And you know, when they, when they suspended him and then when the, the sharks canceled his contract, I thought, okay, you know, I'm just going to grab him and see, cause you, you don't, you never know right. if he gets suspended for 40 more games, fine, I'll drop him, And, and that's, that's that. But, mm-hmm. um, you know, I picked him up, and and as luck would have it, he ended up playing for the Edmonton Oilers, which is a team I cheer for. And yeah, <laughs> um, and now he's playing with Connor McDavid. He's got three points through three games. So, mm-hmm. 
we'll see how that production continues. He had seven hits last night too, so he's really he's looked good yeah, early. He does it all, yep. Yeah. So I mean hard to pass on that kind of talent. I mean, regardless of how you feel about the player as yeah. an individual, but in terms of fantasy, I think he looks like he could be someone worth worth rostering for the rest of the season, right? Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of that risk-reward kind of uh, scenario you have to run with yourself. And, and yeah, maybe that's a situation where if you're in a higher-up spot in the league and you feel pretty comfortable uh, heading towards the playoffs, then you kind of have that luxury to be like, you know what, if Evander Kane uh, does sign somewhere and gets top-line deployment, he could really be a league winner. Um, so you're able to take that shot because you're feeling good about where your team's at and you don't need to scrap and claw for that matchup win that week. No, and, and that's exactly where I'm at right now. I'm, I'm sitting in first or second in three different leagues. And for me, I'm just, yeah, fingers crossed it's a league winner, but who knows. Mm-hmm. And Moritz Sider is another interesting one. I don't have Sider anywhere. Um, basically, I think it was a miss on my part. Um, just because early on he wasn't on the top power play unit uh he was getting decent minutes but his numbers looked unsustainable um just based on the fact that he wasn't getting like top top deployment in terms of power Mm -hmm. play and um top pairing deployment early in the season and so everybody was going nuts and picking him up because he had like I forget what it was, nine points in nine games or something to start the season. And I was kind of like, "Ah, I don't know if this guy's going to be it or not. Uh, He's still not on the top power play through however many games that was. Uh, But then obviously he gained that spot and he hasn't looked back. He's been tremendous all season long. Um, So I think that's that's probably a bit of a lesson learned for me just to maybe bet on the upside of some of these players who we – like. Everyone knew Moritz Sider. He had dominated overseas. He yep. came over, and we expected him to be a good player, maybe not this fast. Um, but uh, when we saw him and we saw him produce early, maybe I should have uh, kind of believed it a little bit more and uh, been patient for him to take the next step to eventually take over the power play one, which I probably should have seen coming. <laughs> I, I think that's a good point. Like, you should err on the side of, of believing that the player will just, I mean, the numbers might tell you different, but we see it lots where you don't think that's sustainable. Troy Terry is a good example you brought up earlier, right? Like there's mm-hmm. no way with his shooting percentage is going to be sustainable. And I mean, he has fallen off a bit, right? But he's still yep. been a very good player for the Anaheim Ducks this year. Yeah. And you know, if you kind of err on the side of this will continue, you can always drop him later. But if you don't pick him up or if you drop him too early, which I, I'm a, I'm guilty of doing myself many times, uh, you know, you regret it later. So. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think that's all the topics we're going to get to today. Uh, Devin, why don't you go ahead, just tell the people where they can follow Fantasy Hockey Hacks and yourself and just catch up with you. Yeah, uh, we're on Twitter at FH Hacks. Um, check out the website, Fantasy Hockey Hacks. And for myself, uh, at Devo Davidson on Twitter if you want to get in touch with me personally. And uh, we're on Instagram as well if you ever want to check us out there. Perfect. Yeah, I'll uh, I'll make sure I link the Fantasy Hockey Axe Twitter and the website and everything in the show description here. Uh, Devin, this was really great stuff. Uh, thanks so much for joining me on the show and dropping some knowledge for the listeners. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. All right, folks, that's all I've got for this episode. Hopefully it brought you some value, helped you get a little bit better at fantasy hockey today. I would be pumped if you could take a minute, throw a quick review and rating on the podcast. It would mean a lot to me and it would help to get this podcast into a few more ear holes. 
make sure you find your way into the Apples and Genos Discord community. In my humble opinion, it is the best way to get instant fantasy advice from knowledgeable people, including myself, and as well just meet people with a common interest. And that's it, folks. Much love.